okay. Um, Friday. I, I, I don't know days anymore. I mean, what, what's the date? 29th. 29th. Okay. It's so almost February. Is, is February. Didn't we just cross the new year? Well, in, in the Super Bowl, I mean, the, the week when you have off where the super, there's no football. By the way, what's that crap about? The Pro Bowl celebration? What are they going to do? Play Madden? Like, how, are they going to zoom in players? Like, you know, that's dumb, right? I mean, the Pro Bowl's, Pro Bowl's not great anyway, right? Oh, the Pro Bowl's trash. Pro Bowl is trash. It, it, quick power ranking. Pro Bowl for... Hockey, All-Star Game 3, NBA 2, and Baseball 1. And if we're doing, like, the skill stuff, probably the NBA 1, Baseball 2, Hockey 3, and Pro Bowl 4. Yeah. You know, I actually really used to like the Pro Bowl skills competitions back in, like, the mid-2000s, whenever they would line all the quarterbacks up yeah. and you had to throw. Those were amazing. Those were awesome, yeah. And and I, I don't actually mind the hockey ones either, but I feel like with baseball, it's the it's the home run contest and that's it. But <laughs> basketball, like, the dunk competition is still widely known as something that people want to watch. Yeah, yeah. I've been to a home run derby, though, when it was at Nats Park a couple years ago, and Bryce mm -hmm. Harper was down that nine, nine mm -hmm. home runs in that final round. Tell you, man, what a scene. And it was crazy, too, because, you know what I mean, he's not a Nat anymore. And it's one of the best baseball moments in the last like three, four years because he was the home kid. He had been there for, you know, ever. They hadn't won a World Series. And ironically, they won a World Series after he you know, leaves. But I mean, it was such a cool moment. Um, we have two new segments today, um, along with our hot take six and our uh, Monday morning headlines. Monday morning headlines, though, it's more like a, just a quick blur. But um they're they're both going to be uh good ones uh weekend grab bag um preview different little things not everything just sports weekend grab bag you know stuff we might watch or you know things you know we we should tell people about coming up this weekend just in either of our opinions whatever and uh do we understand do we <laughs> do we understand um is basically reading an internet headline or a story and I mean, it, do we understand why it's a story to begin with? Um, we're not going to talk stocks. We're, we're, we're not going to talk stocks. The rest of the world in sports shows are talking stocks. Ryan, I don't have interest in that. I, I don't really either. I mean, I, I, I vaguely understand the stock market and, and what, what's going on, but everyone's talking about it. Everyone's upset about it. I'm looking forward to some hockey, some basketball and some Super Bowl football next week. Yeah. Um I'll well, no, the Hall of Fame stuff is next Saturday. Next Saturday. Yes. So we'll we'll probably talk a little bit about that next week at least touch <laughs> on it I would imagine. Yeah, and uh you know, we'll we'll talk about our guests uh after Hot Take 6, but um I think I'm up for Hot Take 6, right? Yes, you are up for Hot Take 6, so I am I am ready for your first Hot Take today. Okay, uh, first hot take, Ben Askren versus Logan Paul is dumb. Just simply plain dumb. Ben Askren, when he went from his former organization of one fighting championship, and it was basically the first, and it's still the only kind of trade that has ever been in MMA, basically Mighty Mouse Johnson flopped traded spots with, Dimitri, uh, with Ben Askren 
to, you know, Ben Askren was coming off an uh, amazing career and won championship. He was one of their most popular fighters. And it was like, these two guys definitely ended up winning in the situation. Ben Askren gets more notoriety in the UFC. Demetrius Johnson had conquered everyone except for Henry Cejudo, which now looking in hindsight, it's amazing he beat Henry Cejudo in that first matchup way back when in 2015 because Henry Cejudo has won two belts, Olympic gold medalist, one of the best UFC fighters of all time, great wrestler, and... Now, Ben Askren is going to be in a boxing match with this Logan Paul clown. I understand the Pauls are famous. You know, uh, I think it's Jake Paul, right, who's fighting Floyd Mayweather in February, like in two weeks, which is crazy, like two weeks from now. But it's dumb. Like, the last time Ben Askren fought, he got knocked out in five seconds. A UFC record. A UFC record. Not a division, not a, not a, not a welterweight division record a ufc record that's how crazy it is that this guy i don't have a problem with ben but i mean you know he ended up losing to he was in a controversial fight with robbie lawler he kind of got the luck in that and does he even have boxing skills i mean I, he wasn't a striker in the ufc in the three fights that i watched him fight Logan Paul, I don't, this guy's a clown. They're going to make money. I, I would venture to say both of them are going to walk out with millions of dollars and it's going to sell on pay-per-view for like 20 bucks. I think that's all that these things are for is really the money. I mean, the, the Pauls have the name attached to them and that's why they get all this notoriety anyway. Um, were you a Viner back in the day? Was that the, uh, the, the, <clears throat> The six-second clip thing? Yes. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. So that's where I first remember the polls. Was there just doing stupid videos. And you know, I, I can't say I particularly, like, loved them or they were great. But, like, that's where I first remember them. First remember them really kind of coming up and making their name in the in the entertainment world. Um, <laughs> we, we really missed the... We really missed the boat on making six second videos to get famous. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I just feel like it's, it's just a money grab. You know, people have latched on to the polls because of Vine and because of YouTube and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, people, you know, people enjoy watching their YouTubers or their, I mean, it even kind of trickles to like podcasts. Cause I think they have a show on YouTube now, but like, I just, I can't get behind a fight that I feel is almost like a novelty. I want to see the people who actually, and not that they don't train, but I want to see the actual people who are fighters have worked their whole life, whether it be boxing, whether it be UFC, those are the fights I want to see. I, I still think of the Pauls as YouTube stars. And I still think of them as Viners. Like if one day they come out and they're like, no, we're just going to turn our attention to boxing. Okay. That's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that, but I, I'm looking at it from the other side of the, of the polls rather, but it just, I don't know. It just seems irritating to me that that's, that's what comes up. And I mean, sure, it puts eyes on there. Um, I think of whenever we had Brian on a couple, uh, about a month ago, I suppose now, and he was saying, you know, any eyes on boxing in, in that world is, is good. But I don't know. I just feel like this is a, I just feel like this is a path that you don't necessarily want to go down and, and what people sort of view as like the novelty series of boxing. Yeah. And fights that I care about when it comes to boxing, Fury Wilder, Fury Wilder too. 
Give me Fury versus Anthony Anthony Joshua. I think that's coming up in May. And then give me Fury Wilder three. By the way, if it's anything like Fury Wilder two, I don't know if you've watched any of those uh, Fury Wilder fights. Mm-hmm. Man, Tyson Fury. I follow him on Instagram. That guy is a running machine. He literally eats like two or three scrambled eggs every single morning when I'm following this guy on Instagram. And he's out there doing push-ups and jumping jacks, just like old-fashioned Rocky training. And he's like Instagramming video himself. Hey, guys, look at me. I'm on another mile there. And uh, I want to see those guys fight or not Manny Pacquiao versus Ryan Garcia. Don't want to see that. And I also don't want to see Logan Paul versus Ben Askren. It's dumb. No, I, I agree with you. I want to see the fights that, you know, again, of, of, and again, not that these people don't train. I keep saying that as if they're not actually training for these, but I feel as if you're, you're almost just inserting yourself in a sport that you don't belong in to say, oh, well, we can make money off this. So we're going to do it. I don't know that it's, it just seems, it just seems again, like a novelty to me. And I'm, I'm not necessarily one for it either myself, but Real quick, um, before you get to your hot take, go for it. Harrison, the Paul brothers are like LeVar Ball. When LeVar, when Lonzo was going into the league, Lonzo was talking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Lonzo wasn't doing any of the talking. LeVar was like, I can beat Michael Jordan one on one. The Paul brothers are like, I can take Conor McGregor. Here's $10,000, you know, fight me right now. Here's another one for Conor uh, McGregor's teammate, Dylan Dennis. They're just trash talkers. And ultimately, when it comes to it, Nate Robinson wasn't a boxer you know yeah it i don't know well i mean i i actually saw the lavar ball clip where he was um he was on it was i think it was raw wwe raw and him running down to the ring that that for some reason is still very funny to me just watching him run to the ring the way he did if you've never seen that please go look up the clip because it it kind of looks fake but it's just funny um but i see your I see your fight is dumb take, and I actually raise you uh, something that I think is terrible take. Something that we have talked about before, um, and I don't even think a lot of people may even see it as a hot take, but I'm just going to say it again here too. The way that the Baseball Hall of Fame votes is just absolutely asinine and terrible. We've we've talked about this and, and maybe not touched on it in as great of depth, but it, it just is – insane to me that you basically just pull these writers and take their votes to say if you don't get to this certain threshold you're not a hall of famer now i understand that we're looking at the era of players who are mostly accused in the in what we would know as the steroid era right so there's going to be a little bit of debate about oh do do we put the guys with steroid accusations in or is that part of the game or you know we've talked about the steroid wing before um on this show too but it it just is crazy to me that basically what happens with the baseball hall of fame is you know essentially people will kind of gather votes over time and get better and then in like the 12th season of somebody being on the ballot they'll essentially come out and say oh, well, you know, based on everything that we see, you know, this guy's definitely a Hall of Famer now. What about 12 years ago? You know, what's the difference? What difference is that is that 11th to 12th year, 12th year or just any time in there? Is the person a Hall of Famer or not? 
you know, I don't think any Hall of Fame voting is perfect. And again, we'll talk about the NFL next week whenever we kind of make our predictions and such. But it, it just seems crazy to me that basically you're you're looking at these players and and you you're going to get five years into someone's voting and say, oh, well, now they're a Hall of Famer. I think if somebody's a Hall of Famer, they're a Hall of Famer, and just say it. And if and my thought is is like in the NFL, the way that they do it, if if you're on if you're in the finalist list you should eventually be a hall of famer. That's kind of the way that I think about it. And I know baseball is a little bit more broad, but um, there's, I just think there's so much wrong with the way baseball does their voting personally. Hall of fame voting. Yeah. It's dumb. They, it should be like the committee when it comes to the NFL hall of fame. That's what it should be like. There should be a group of people that, sit in Cooperstown all year, just like people who work in Canton year round, right? Go through these candidates, work at the Hall of Fame, you know, a guy like David Baker, you know, Mm -hmm. have a chairman. It doesn't make sense. And it's also ridiculous. I don't know if you saw this, but 14 of the the vote, like the voters, air quotes for people, obviously this is audio, bad radio there. Mm -hmm. They didn't even vote. They just left their ballot blank. And it's ridiculous that we're going to keep getting through this. It's such a, it is a stone age principle in how Hall of Fame voting is done for the age that we're in. Does that make sense? Like we're in this digital technological age. The NFL Hall of Fame is really the only one to seem like it has some sort of hold and leverage and doing it the right way where every other hall of fame it doesn't look like it matters and maybe we should just rework on how we think about hall of fame voting yeah well i mean it's just it's it's crazy i mean there's there are players on that ballot that i feel are worthy of the hall of fame and i understand i'm not a voter i understand that my voice on it really doesn't matter when it turns to the mlb hall of fame but it's just crazy to me that we're still doing this. And I actually joked about this on Twitter and, and I don't think this is conceivably how it would happen. Um, but Mike Trout, the, the great, the great outfielder for the angels. I, I joked, I said, one day he's going to retire and he's going to sit on the ballot for four years because somebody's trying to make an argument against why he shouldn't be in the hall of fame. That's, that's stupid. Why, why do you feel the need to be the person that is making the argument against them being in the hall of fame? If that person is good enough to be in this sacred sanctuary of great players, put them in. We don't need people who are going to say, oh, I don't think he should be in because his war in 2018, that's absolutely stupid. I'm sure you probably saw where Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame deliberation for this upcoming year took 13 seconds. It took 13 seconds to decide if Peyton Manning should be a Hall of Famer. I, in fact, think that's too long. Because do you know if somebody's a Hall of Famer or not? Yes. I don't want to get into the bait, but I'll tell you one thing right now. If Eli gets in the Hall of Fame, I'll change my stance on the NFL and them being the ones because no one should have an exact 500. Never mind. Never mind. I think, I think, 
Joe Namath is under that, but I would have to look at that. I, I would have, I would just have to confirm that. Well, you know what? Let's save that for a summer debate in a conversation corner. I love it. Right around Hall of Fame weekend. How about that? I love it. Uh, my second hot take, Modern Family is still putting out great hits. Uh, Modern Family, do you know what Modern Family is? I actually watched it for a hot second, believe it or not. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Man, you're tasting TV and movies. It's it's like it's what you strange. haven't watched. Yeah, we, we got to get that DVD VCR combo t-shirt made. But <laughs> and, and the drunk dads. Uh, <laughs> Modern Family is part of history in the streaming wars. It is the first time in history. Then again, the streaming wars haven't been around that long, right? There's not, you know, streaming really took off like in 2013 with House of Cards and Netflix. But Hulu is going to have exclusive rights to air Modern Family, all 11 seasons or whatever. And then Peacock, also going to have exclusive rights to air all 11 seasons in a duo joint deal that ended up being around 250 mil, 250 mil bones uh, for Modern Family to be on two different streaming platforms Look, I guess it's a win-win for everyone. Modern Family was on ABC, which is owned by Disney, which now owns Hulu, 51% shares. Makes sense on that side. I wonder, very curious how they came to a deal on Peacock, but my hot take is here. Peacock is really just building a massive library for themselves going forward. Yeah, I, th I think Peacock really is starting to stand out here. And I think I said it last episode that I may end up having to be a subscriber of that just based on everything that it seems like they could eventually own. So uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. But it, it almost feels like it's kind of came up. And, and this is not all because of The Office, but these other platforms are fighting for shows that people seem seem to like and, and kind of like want to see. Uh, one that I think of on Hulu um, is the show Freaks and Geeks. Now, I've never seen that show, but I do know that it's kind of, uh, again, I use this term, I say it every single time I say it, a cult show of sorts where folks are kind of like, you know, either they love it or they just are like, I've never even heard of it or seen it. So like Hulu gets that, but it, it seems to me like Peacock is really just building the superior library of things that they can own. It seems to me like Peacock is really starting to stand out and they don't even really have to say, you know, we have all these crazy originals or, uh, you know, what, what was Netflix? We're doing a movie every week. I Yes. I, have, have they been putting those out? Uh, it starts uh, this week. Oh, OK, because I was going to say, I don't think I've logged on to Netflix. Um, this is a fun one for you. You're going to love this. So my recent show of choice on Netflix, uh, I watched season 10. Now, there's like six episodes, so it's not much of hoarders that interesting that's again this goes back to my taste of stuff is very yeah. strange and wild to where uh tonight as we're recording this i'm gonna go watch the penguins and i'm like oh i wonder what's on hoarders that's just strange but anyway i think peacock is really starting to solidify themselves and i wouldn't be surprised if in the next maybe two years maybe even shorter that they really kind of start to stand out as the ultimate streamer so when I thought about this topic yesterday for our hot take six, I saved 
two parts that kind of like tails into that. So Wonder Woman debuted on HBO Max in theaters, okay? HBO Max subscribers doubled to 17.2 million over that month and month that it was on there. So yeah, I think it worked out well for him. Just a short-term play. But Modern Family, I know it has a dedicated fan base and it might actually be the next show I binge watch to tell you the truth because I've never sat down to watch it because I'm like, I don't know if that's a show that I can watch. And maybe it's one of those shows I have to watch from, you know, from beginning to end to really understand the ins and the outs. And because I know they obviously are kids when they start, they're like in their, you know, primary school, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go through a list of shows and I'm going to uh, tell you what is at the top. Okay. So these, these are shows. Have you subscribed to a streaming service just for one show? I can answer that as no, because I try to look at things as a whole. If I'm going to spend my money mm-hmm. and as I get older, same with you, I want to spend my money on something that has a massive amount of stuff. You know what I mean? So at the bottom, Parks and Rec, 4%. Seinfeld, 4%. Rick and Morty, interesting. Uh, 6% Law and Order, 6 Two and a half Men on Peacock, 6%. South Park, 6 Friends, 6 Shits Creek on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Is that number five, seven? Big Bang Theory, HBO Max, number seven. Simpsons, makes sense why Disney Plus might have a lot of subscribers, 8%. Grey's Anatomy, 8%. And then I, it has, you know what the number one is, right? Our, our favorite. The Office, it's at 10. So this is a poll that was done over a million people. And those shows were people signed up just for that service. So, you know, signed up for that service just for that show. So maybe Modern Family is going to be in that line. Well, I know Modern Family had quite a um, quite a following of people. But I, now I've not watched it in a while. I'm going to be completely honest. It, it was kind of a, a short-term thing. And, and I'd probably benefit from watching it from the beginning too. <laughs> but I... I, I tend to run in with shows like that, that sometimes they go a season or two too long. And, and this seems like one of those shows that it's like, it kind of gets to a point where you're just like, okay, stop. We just, we just would rather this be over. One that I think of like that. I know that I watched it for a while, but my parents watched it all the way through. And, and we used to talk about it was the big bang theory where it basically just kind of got to a point where they where, I mean, and again, my parents are not TV critics by any sort of the imagination, but they just get to the point where they're like, okay, you've done everything you can do, wrap this up. We, we need some closure on this. So, it, I mean, I think it's interesting that, that these bigger shows are dictating the streaming services though. And, and if they play their cards right, they can get people to subscribe to multiple platforms, which is not, I, I mean, I don't think it's ideal, but who knows. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear that having a library of shows versus producing more originals than having shows like The Office is working out in uh, benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that'll be interesting to see kind of where that goes from here. But uh, speaking of seeing where things go from here, uh, my next hot take, I'm just going to say it and then we can debate it. The Houston Texans won't be in the playoffs for 10 more years. <laughs> and 10 10 okay I, I thought about lowering it 
to, you know, maybe eight, but you know what? I'm sticking with 10. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like if you follow anything football to our listeners and, and I know you do, Ryan, I, where do you even want to begin at where the mess is in Houston right now to the point where you have a franchise player in JJ Watt, you've effectively irritated him after everything of the debacle of last year with Bill O'Brien and trading DeAndre Hopkins. Now Deshaun Watson is demanding a trade where everyone is saying, oh, no, 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 we want to keep him. We want to keep him. But he won't answer your calls. So obviously there's something there. You hire a head coach who had the worst passing game in the NFL uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, there, there was an interesting take about that saying that, and I think it was from a Pittsburgh journalist, so it could be skewed in a way, but I, I, I don't want to make assumptions or accusations there. Basically what the Texans are saying then is, is that they think that this guy either has the, the, a better coordination of what the Ravens can do in the passing game, or that they believe that like Lamar Jackson's not as great of a quarterback as Deshaun. I, I don't know how it all kind of plays out, but anyway, I, it's a mess. Houston is a mess right now. The Texans look like they could make a run there for a couple years, but right now the Texans are a mess. And and honestly, this is about to turn into one of those franchise debacles that you see for quite a while, kind of like uh, the Browns and oddly enough, the Buccaneers for about 13 years before this year making the Super Bowl. Yeah, Houston, I'll tell you where they went wrong, hiring Bill O'Brien, who's now at Alabama. making Hiring Bill O'Brien – Maybe not the bad move. Hiring Bill O'Brien as the GM, terrible decision. Anytime you put a coach as the GM and the coach in, in the NFL, it doesn't work out. Now, the NBA is a little different. Worked out for Doc Rivers. Now, look, he's not in L.A. anymore, Doc Rivers. I'm just trying to make comparisons. But it's because he wasn't able to get some of the pieces that he thought he could. And he felt like he exhausted all of his options. So sometimes it works in the NBA. To be honest with you, most teams, when they have a coach and GM role in the NBA, they don't make the playoffs. Doc Rivers did that, obviously, in L.A., had a lot of talent. Plus, it, it doesn't hurt when you have some of the players that he had on his team. Um, last year, he had Kawhi and Paul George. Anyway, but the, the, the problem with Houston is, look, anytime a special teams-centric uh, or a position coach-centric coach is hired as a coordinator or a head coach everyone wants them to be the next John Harbaugh or the next Steve Sarkeesian or the next Lane Kiffin that's just not how it works out to be honest with you what were you doing what where on the list was he for him to be like that's our guy Deshaun asking for a trade that was going to happen for a while now I figure it's going to happen sometime in March he's going to get traded or around the 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 draft deadline um, around draft day because what they're going to end up asking for is way too much and they're going to continue to negotiate with teams and come March around when the new league year starts they're going to have to work around some some finer points that way they're not paying Deshaun all that money but it's a tear down job in Houston it's kind of interesting JJ Watt hasn't asked for a trade maybe he's just loyal to that team in that city but he was in the playoffs three or four years in a row would get past Cincinnati in the divisional, uh, the wild card round, excuse me, gets a divisional round, gets smoked by New England, and you're back at square one, and it's because they didn't have a quarterback. They got rid of DeAndre Hopkins, Bill O'Brien did, because he didn't like some of DeAndre Hopkins' personal choices of his girlfriends and, you know, baby mamas, whatever you want to call them, showing up at practice. I mean, that's the guy's life. Like, let him live his life. 
how he pleases. That's how I look at it. He wasn't doing anything crazy off the field. You know what I mean? The problem is with Houston, also, they don't have an offensive line. They don't have an offensive line. And when you, it's kind of interesting when you look at that Miami trade from a year or two ago, Miami's kind of the winners in that, right? They ended up kind of benefiting altogether. And now they kind of have that leverage because don't they pick three? Don't they don't they pick three in the uh the, the, the draft this year, Miami? Yeah. Yeah. Pick? Yeah. And that so. was that was one of those things that like the Tennessee win in week seventeen determined that Houston would pick three, but they gave that pick up. It's crazy, man, what's happening there because you're sometimes you know when you see it happening, like on TV, like a team declining right in front of you and you know it's a teardown job. This is one of them. Like, I remember the last time that I felt this way, ironically enough, was Cincinnati. Like, Cincinnati had been to the playoffs like four or five years in a row, and they kept not really building on anything, and they kept losing on wildcard weekend, and it's like, okay, I, this needs to be a teardown job, and that's what ended up happening. Houston's kind of the same way. But come, come a long way since uh, – I don't know if you watch Hard Knocks, but uh, they've come a long way since uh, Hard Knocks uh, with uh, – Bill O'Brien there. Or, or have they regressed a long way since Bill O'Brien there? Yeah. 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 It's, it's just, it's not great in Houston right now. And, you know, maybe it won't be 10 years. My, my hope is, is that because I like seeing all teams competitive in some sort, whenever it comes to leagues, because, you know, dumpster fire teams at the bottom of the league aren't necessarily fun. Yeah. They're fun to make fun of, but it, it's just not the same because I like that competitive balance. And, and right now Houston is basically isolating themselves to say that they may be in a worse position than the Jaguars, which is kind of crazy when you look at the AFC South, but that's, that's just the way 2021 starting off for the Texans. Yeah. It's, it's not good. It's not good. Sticking with the NFL. My hot take is Matt Stafford. We didn't talk about this last episode, but Matt Stafford is going to uh, go to Washington. Mm. Matt Stafford's going to be the new quarterback in Washington, maybe a franchise tag type of deal or a two-year deal. But the guy's set up for uh, a classic Washington football team scenario. I mean, Ron is a good head coach. They got to the playoffs. Yeah, 7-9, I, I know. But they got to the playoffs. They have a nice running game. They have a couple wide receivers like you know, Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas, by the way, Logan Thomas played quarterback at Virginia tech. Um, didn't know if you know that they say that every broadcast. Yeah. I hadn't heard that one before. Interesting. But Matt Stafford's going to go to Washington. And my hot take here is he's going to take them to the playoffs and not just the wild card round. He's going to take them to the NFC championship going bold there. That is bold, but you know, I, I think there is a little bit of, I think there is a little bit of weight to that because we've, we've talked about this too, but Matt Stafford has had to be the, the light in a very dark room. I mean, basically like a small little pocket flashlight in a pitch dark room where that has been Detroit for the last 10, 11 years now. And, and look, I, I understand that his stats are sometimes the product of them playing from behind and he has to throw the ball more, but at the same time, I've, I've never really thought Matt Stafford was a terrible quarterback. I know that there's debate around, uh, you know, where they would rank him in the league. Is he top 10? Is he top 15? I don't care about any of that. 
I think about somebody that can win me games. And one of the things with Matt Stafford is, is he's only ever had one weapon or doesn't have a running game to complement anything. You know, back when Calvin Johnson was playing, you just throw it up to Calvin Johnson and he could do it. But it doesn't matter if you put the entire defense on him. You have to find somebody else who can catch the ball. And, and I think that we talked about it too, but I think Matt Stafford's only been accompanied by a 100-yard rusher in a game like nine times. Please give the man somebody that he can hand the ball off to. But again, this, this goes back to what you said about Houston, actually, is it all starts up front. So if you want a quarterback to be successful, you have to give him an up front and a line to really uh, – to really solidify that. And that comes with the running game too, because, uh, you know, if you want to go even farther back in Detroit's history, whenever they didn't have a quarterback and their best receiver was Herman Moore. Now, albeit a fine receiver, but not a, uh, not a Calvin Johnson type. They're just handing it off to Barry Sanders every play. So Barry Sanders has the most plays of negative yards in NFL history and somehow still has 15,000 rushing yards like that it's not necessarily one-to-one but that's kind of where Detroit has been for the last 30 years is they're relying on one to two offensive weapons to just get to get them what seemingly is nowhere so so I think a move to the Washington football team and a more solidified coaching situation uh, with Ron Rivera would be good Um, I, I don't know if the franchise as a whole is any better because the football team has their noted problems from the top down but I think with Ron Rivera and his coaching staff, that at least solidifies that side of it a little bit more than what Detroit has went through. Yeah, it will help him to have a solid head coach because in Detroit, he really only had that with Jim Caldwell. Mm-hmm. And that and defensive line is still going to be the scariest in the league next year. Jim Jim Caldwell does not get the amount of respect that he deserves in the How did he lore of the, of the Lions. How did he not get any college or NFL head coaching job this offseason? Makes no sense to me. It's it's crazy to me because the thing is, is they they basically this this reminds me of when now it again is not one for one, but it reminds me of when LSU filed fired less miles for going eight and four or nine and three. They're like, we have a different expectation here. If you're the Lions, your your expectation is about as good as it can be at around nine and seven, 10 and six. That's about the best you can hope for. So if somebody's getting you to nine and seven and eight and eight when you're providing him, uh, now I, I understand that coaches have different hands and different uh, decision making. And, and I don't know his level of involvement there, but if, if he's getting you to nine and seven and getting you to the playoffs, something you can't do, and you say, well, that's not good enough. And then you um, pretty much do nothing after that. It doesn't really look good on your ownership either. So. Sorry, Matt Stafford. Hopefully you can go somewhere and, and win a playoff game for a change because I think you deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so final hot take. Now, this one is is, is kind of actually a mix of sports and entertainment. So this is uh, interesting to come from my side on the entertainment. But I think that we should – now, this might be a tad aggressive – um, we need to start banning Super Bowl commercials prior to the game. I am tired of seeing Super Bowl commercials prior to the game because I remember a day and age, and I'm going to sound like a boomer here for a second, but I remember a day and age before the internet was really big where you had to wait until the Super Bowls to see the commercials. Now, next week, as, as we kind of trick away into Super Bowl week and, and everything kind of kicks into high gear, 
you're going to start to see these places leaking their Super Bowl ads. And I choose not to watch them, but sometimes you can't miss them because they're everywhere. I think that we should ban Super Bowl ads before the Super Bowl because that's what they're for to be seen on those commercials during the Super Bowl. And also another kind of hot take along with this. I don't really remember any great commercials from the last three or four years. So I'm going to need somebody to wow me because I'm tired of being underwhelmed when it comes to Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> that is a little bold, but I'll double down because my take inside of that is Super Bowl ads are terrible now. I can't remember the last time that I watched the Super Bowl and I was like, man, that was a that was a great commercial for such and such product. I typically during the Super Bowl, the only time I've been blown away, like the last like three or four years during like a commercial, maybe, maybe a Doritos ad slipped in there because Doritos typically that's their only time all year that they do an ad. And it's actually a pretty good job for whatever they do, but it's movie trailers because a lot of movies end up, which makes sense, right? They want to spend the, the money to dump on a 30 second ad. I don't know how much that will happen this year, but look, man, it's just, it's so ridiculous. Some of the commercials and you're not going to have the classics like Coke. You're not going to have the classics like Pepsi, which hello, the halftime show by in the Super Bowl is sponsored by Pepsi every year. You're not going to have uh, Budweiser. I know a lot of people like the Budweiser commercials. I just, there hasn't been anything to me in like at all in the last couple of years where I'm like, man, I need to sit through the commercials and watch these because they've been terrible. What was the one? Um, I don't remember who it was for. It was like basically old people doing stuff. I don't know. And see, this is, this is basically where we're at with Super Bowl commercials because I'm like, I don't remember the company. But I remember that I vaguely laughed at it because of one thing that happened in it. Because I always say that during the Super Bowl, there's three distinct points because the Super Bowl is watched by so many eyes. There are three distinct points where you can go to the bathroom. You can either go during the game if you have no interest in the sport. You can go during the commercials if, if you, you know, are, are like diehard sport and you don't care about ads. Or you can go during the halftime show because you're not really interested in that. I choose to go during the halftime show just because it's not necessarily my genre of music that I like. I'm going to start going during the commercials, though, because unless you do something that is is good. I, but I think some of this is just a change in media, too, not to get too deep into this, but we have access to so much more now than we've ever really had. So you can post something on Twitter or Instagram and, and more people see it and, and respond to it better. Maybe they just feel like they don't need the Super Bowl anymore. I, I really don't know what the answer is there, but Super Bowl commercials, you need to you need to step it up a little bit because I'm getting I'm getting tired of it. Yeah. And look, we're both um, you know, guys in our mid late twenties. Uh we both like Pepsi or Coke. Uh, I know you love your Arnold Palmer's. Quick hot take for you. My favorite uh, Super Bowl commercial in the last nine or 10 years, the Simpsons Coca-Cola commercial. Mm. Where uh, Monty Burns, I think at the end of that commercial, he's the one drinking the Coca-Cola and just a smile on his face. Yeah. I would have to look back because I, I'm sure if I look back, I would remember a couple. I The, the, the company that I remember, though, and, and you mentioned them as Doritos, I seem to 
remember that many, many years I would look at Doritos and say, okay, that one was one of the positives, but it's, it's been quite a while since I could even compile a top five list because that's how bad they've been is I'm basically just picking one out and saying, yeah, that was the only one that was worth seeing. So. Yeah. And then also sometimes you'll get the, the Super Bowl where they'll air the Super Bowl commercial, but then it airs during the Super Bowl. And then that commercial plays like all year until like November or December. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I get it. You know, it's not as funny as you think it is. So that's hot take six. Uh, we'll do weekend grab bag and do we understand on the back half of this, but Ryan, we have another great interview, very interesting guy, very down to earth guy. Yeah, absolutely. We have Alonzo Bowden on the podcast today and Alonzo was very fun to talk to and, and provided a lot of great insight to comedy. And we talked a little bit of sports as well. Um, I, I personally enjoyed our, our, talk about sports just because of some of the things that you'll hear on this back half, but um, just a, just a great guy all around a fun interview and um, also a funny guy too. So check out his comedy and check out the interview. And now our interview with Alonzo Bowden. All right. We now welcome one former season three winner of the last comic standing uh, one of the hosts and contributors to wait, wait, don't tell me, and just all around great comedian, the great Alonzo Bowden. Alonzo, how are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you, guys. I'm good, man. I'm good. Oh, it's Bowden, by the way. Not Bowden, Bowden it's Bowden. Bowden. I know the spelling sounds like it should be Bowden, but it's pronounced Bowden. Well, so our that's listeners story. are, are going to hear this, and I'm going to redo that. Um, so <laughs> our, for our listeners, I've redone the intro, so that that's why it sounds better than this. But uh uh, Alonzo, again, we appreciate you taking the time to do this. And, and as we mentioned, obviously, a, a winner on Last Comic Standing. So I've always wondered about that show. Uh, whenever it comes to having having folks in that show and a bunch of comedic minds in that, what, what's the energy like you know, backstage or even maybe out of the out of the show and, you know, just maybe in a bar in a club? How do you how do you bounce jokes off of each other? How do you find yourself interacting with other comedians? Well, comics in general, we get along pretty good. Actually, uh, we probably get along better than most because we laugh at everything, right? There's no, there's no line. There's no oh, that's sacred or any of that. We we get along and we laugh and we understand each other. So it's you know, it's a combination of of comedy and uh, deep seated mental illness. They come together and we're, we're comfortable with both. No, seriously. I mean, you know, there's, there's people dealing with depression and, and addiction and recovery and all that stuff. And we're like it, it, cause see, there's no requirement to be a comic, right? Like you can be whoever you are. If you're funny, you're in, uh, doing last comic standing. And, and there have been probably at least four different uh, versions of the show. So I was in the original version when it was a reality show and we actually had to live together for like a month and, and go head to head, you know, me telling Gary Goldman, I know I'm funnier than you or John Heffron telling Tammy Pascatelli, I know I'm funnier than you and going head to head. The thing was because we know it, we're comics, we know it's a TV show. We got along, we fought with the producers more than each other. If you were backstage all the time or, and got all the video footage, you'd be like, oh, so it's 10 comics versus four producers. That's the show, right? Because we, because they would try to get us to fight. And comics don't fight because we're used to 
crashing together. You know, we go on the road We early in your career before you reach the hotel phase. You're staying in comedy condos, which is whatever cheap apartment that club could rent. The headliner got the bedroom. The feature act got the room with no TV. And the opener slept on the, on the doorstep. And <laughs> we got along for the weekend, you know. So it was it was actually a good experience. There were definitely some times when it tested all of our patience. But uh, now looking back, what's what? Now it's 15 years later. Um, we're all still friends, you know. So it was an experience. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can only imagine comics like always get along together anyway. You know what I mean? So like you said, I mean, it's just it's a bonding experience because it's one of those professions like if you haven't done it, you don't understand it uh, type of thing. But look, man, you're from Queens. Never been to Queens. I would love to go. So this is actually a two parter question for you. First part, what is your favorite place to eat in Queens that like is like a little joint like hole in the wall that no one would know about? And then the second part of that question is, look, man, you know, you're 58 years old. Uh, you've been doing comedy for a while. But when you were like in your 30s, Sopranos was huge. And they filmed a lot of that in Queens. Like, did you ever get like a sense of when you were watching Sopranos, like, oh, man, I've been there. Or, like there was like just like a different energy, like people were proud of that show from that area. Well, I think they actually filmed more of it, in, a lot of it in Jersey. Um, but I'm sure they did it in Queens, too. So th this is my thing. First of all, where to eat. This place is such a hole in the wall. We did it. I, if it had a name, I don't know what the name of it was. It was the Beef Patty Place. And it was at the 169th Street station of the subway. You take the E train to the end. Like, that's how I got home. Take the E train to the last stop in Queens. And then you catch a bus and you go, you know, to my neighborhood. So we would go to this beef patty place, Jamaican beef patties at the train station. Did it have a name? I'm sure it did. But everyone just knew it was the beef patty place because it was like there, there were 10 beef patty places, but you knew that was the beef patty place. Yeah. So that would probably be my favorite hole in the wall, you know, and, and, um, there was also a fish place um, on Farmers Boulevard, not far from where LL Cool J grew up. I grew up in Southeast Queens where the musical talent that came out of my neighborhood is staggering. And I told my mother, if she hadn't kept me in school, if she had allowed me to hang out on the corner, I could have been a rapper. We'd have been multimillionaires. Um, LL Cool J, Tribe Called Quest, Ed Lover, Hollis, the next town over, Run DMC. I mean, it goes on and on. And then in the jazz world, Marcus Miller, Najee, uh, way back when, St. Albans, Queens was an area that, that, not the area I grew up in, but a different part of, was where black people with money were allowed to live. Remember, we're talking back in the 40s, segregation time. James Brown had a house there. Miles Davis had a house. Duke Ellington at a house. I mean, crazy musical talent. And my mother bothered me with her reading. You're reading and math skills. So yeah, mom, that's why I never bought you a house. So it, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I don't, I left at 18. I, I went to aviation high school. I moved to LA. So I don't really know like where they were shooting the Sopranos. But I will tell you where I lived in LA, in Studio City, there was a liquor store literally uh, a block away from where I lived that has been in more TV shows than you can imagine. 
because it is a perfectly nondescript and whoever did it was smart enough not to put a brand name on it. It's just liquor, you know, liquor store. They film tons of stuff there. So I always recognize that one. And there's another one that you've probably seen in a bunch. They use it for a lot of murder mysteries and crime shows. It's called Circus Liquor. It has a giant circus clown neon sign. That was like 10 minutes from my house. So when you live in L.A., you definitely recognize locations like, oh, I know right where that is. I know where that, I know where the Bat Cave is. The Bat Cave is in Griffith Park. From the old Batman show in the 60s, the original Adam West Batman show. Yeah, so I know the Bat Cave. You know? <laughs> so did, did your mom ever admit to you that maybe she was wrong to bother you with academics and, and you could have been a musician or is, or is no, no, because the comedy thing worked out and I ended up working in casinos and my mom, she passed away a couple of years ago. She was the funniest person I ever knew, but she loved nickel gambling. Her and her friends were the little old ladies that dare you to touch their nickel machine. I see both of you nodding. So you've made the mistake of reaching for a little old lady's nickel machine. You get your ass whipped. So the fact that I got gigs in casinos and on cruise ships and she got to go and she got to gamble made it all okay <laughs> makes it all work out makes it all worth it that's that's great well i i would be amiss if i didn't ask you because we are a sports show so i was scrolling your twitter account and, and i was creeping a little bit i will admit so i noticed that you're a fan of the clippers and also noticed that you follow the vegas golden knights so uh any any other sports interest any other teams or uh, oh yeah we yeah know about? so i grew up a met fan I, I grew up in Queens. Me and the Mets were both yeah, born in the summer of 62. So I've been a Met fan all my life. Um, Miracle Mets, I was there. Uh, 86 Mets, I was in L.A., but I still love that team. Let me tell you something. Were it not for cocaine, Doc and Darrell would both be in the Hall of Fame. Seriously, I mean, these were two of the greatest players. And that team, the 86 team, they hated each other. They wrote a book about it. They had more fights in the locker room. You had Keith Hernandez, alcoholic, Lenny Dykstra, speed freak, Doc and Daryl on cocaine. Uh, you know, just the team was a mess. But when they hit the field, they were incredible. So, so I've always been a Met fan, and um, I was a Nick fan growing up because you stay with your home teams even after you move. So now I'm in L.A. I started. Uh, I was in here in the 80s during Showtime, which was phenomenal. We loved Magic and Kareem and, and Worthy, all that. I've been lucky enough to meet and work with Worthy a couple of times. He's a great guy. Anyway, I didn't have Showtime money. I couldn't afford to go to Laker games. So I went to Clipper games because you could get to a Clipper game for 10 bucks. Actually, for 12 bucks in the 80s, they would allow you to play. If you had the extra two bucks, they were like, all right, you can just take five shots. We really don't know. But me and my buddies, we used to go to Clipper games because they were cheap and it was real NBA games. You know, they were playing at the sports arena where USC played. You and 3,000 of your closest friends would be at a game. Everyone was courtside, but it was fun. Um, so I was a fan of both. And then I went, the Knicks and Clippers were playing. And i never forget, I had on a Knick t-shirt and a Clippers jacket. And you know how guys are. My boys were like, all right, Pick a team right now. Pick it. You cannot. You have to. And I said, 
I'm going Clippers because, you know, I love lost causes. I, you know, Laker fans are spoiled. They don't know how to lose. They had like three bad years and they cried like bitches. You know, Clipper fans, what, we're up 3-1 in the playoffs. We ain't counting on the next round. We know how that goes. Only the Clippers could lose two 3-1 leads just to make sure they never get to the conference finals. I love my team. <laughs> So if you're a fan of Lost Causes, you could still realistically be a Nick fan then too. I'm sorry. Oh, they're gone. They're, you know, um, Isaiah Thomas, This I don't understand. Like, I've heard of second chances. Isaiah Thomas destroyed the CBA. Then he destroyed the Knicks. And yet he still gets jobs. He keeps popping up. I don't understand. Who does he have pictures of coming out of a motel that this guy isn't gone? You know, that honestly, the Knicks have been nothing since Isaiah was there. They gave Phil Jackson, what, $12 million for absolutely nothing, right? And and on and on. You, you kept Mello long after his prime. You were the, the Knicks are where ballplayers go to retire. It's like, look, I, I got two good years left. I can get a four-year contract from the Knicks and, and retire with a few million, right? You, you had Allen Houston. Remember Allen Houston? What did he play, five games? Larry Johnson, Grandmama, they gave him $70 million. That was a million per game. Uh, this on and on. So, yeah, good luck with being a Knicks fan. Um, they're, showing, they're showing signs of life this year, but, but I don't know. You know, it, mm, what a mess. What a mess. Yeah, I might as well tell you I'm a diehard Knicks fan. Uh, oh, I saw you nodding when I mentioned yeah. the Knicks. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I get you. And, like, they've been on a West Coast trip lately, so, like, we're on the East Coast, so, like, those West Coast games, like, I'll record it um, on uh, on my YouTube TV and watch them the next day. And, dude, like, I was watching the game last night, and I, I fell out of my chair. And that happens a couple times during the season, but it was just, like, it's so frustrating because, like, like you said, they, they're showing signs of life, but there's just absolutely nothing around that team where I'm, like, ah, I can see that guy being here, you know, three years from now and, and making an all-star team, anything like that, so... Well, listen, I'll, and I want to get to the Golden Knights in a minute, but I feel you, and I'm going to tell you, Dolan is a problem, right? Because the Clippers went through the same thing. Sterling, when you have a bad owner, i never forget, this is in like 89, when Danny Manning was the only great player on the Clippers, and he said, man, this organization is bad from the owner to the peanut vendors, right? Because Donald Sterling was a horrible owner, even forget about the racist stuff. He he was one of those guys, and there are some owners, they don't put any money in a team. They don't have any interest in a team. And the whole, it shows throughout the organization, right? So now we've got Steve Ballmer. We've got the happiest billionaire on earth, and this is his toy. So he just throws money like he doesn't care. He's having a ball. And that's why the Clippers, the organization has changed to where, you know, superstars want to play for the team. I'm, I'm telling that's what's wrong with the Knicks. It's a bad organization. And until it becomes, especially now with the NBA, where guys are literally just calling their friend, like, hey, man, you want to play together in Brooklyn? Hey, you want to play together in Miami? Like, that's what's going on in the NBA now, right? And you're not going to get that call. And it's a shame because it's New York. It's the Knicks. But you're not going to get, you know, KD ain't going to call Harden and say, hey, man, Let's go play for the Knicks. You know, it's just, it's a shame, but that's the reality of it. So the Golden Knights, the, my connection is Ryan Reeves. I met Reeves, I met Revo a few years ago. Um, I was doing a benefit 
a sports benefit in Winnipeg and I was making fun of black hockey players. And he comes up to me after the show and he says, hey, I'm a black hockey player. And I was like, well, next time, introduce yourself, you know. So we end up laughing and I'm, I'm messing with him. I'm giving him shit. Then I saw his highlights and I was like, wow, he didn't kill me. He could have killed me. That's what he does. He kills people. Like that's his only thing. So I know nothing about hockey. I will just periodically text him and say, listen, here's my advice. Skate harder. That's the best advice I can give. <laughs> I love that. I actually, so I'm a Penguins fan and, and uh, Revo played for the Penguins for a hot second, less than a season. Yeah. Yeah. For a few minutes. I, yeah. I have his Jersey in my, in my uh, closet back here. He was one of my favorites because anybody that can take on people like he does on the ice, mad respect. Yeah. He, he is, a, he's a great guy. And, uh, but yeah, he knocks the hell out of people. You know, but but he brought like half the team. I was doing Brad Garrett's uh, comedy club in Vegas. He brought like half the team over to the show and the club went bizarre. He's a good guy. He's got a beer now. He's got like his mm-hmm. own brewing company and he's selling beer. So kudos to a man smart enough to develop a, a business for when he retires. Kicking ass and brewing beer. Yeah. <laughs> um. Look, man, this is a story that I, I had to ask you about because you're actually one of my favorite comics. Uh, actually, Thank when, you. I was, uh, when I was in middle school, you, you were on Last Comic Standing, and I was allowed to stay up past my like curfew or whatever like, <laughs> to, to watch you. So I, I had to ask you about this next question. There's been people lately in comics that I follow and stuff that are doing Zoom stand-up sets, and I find that bizarre, Okay. The second thing is like, I mean, it's, it's obviously winter, so they can't do outside and they can't do inside really because of all the inside regulations right now. Like how, how different is it to do? I mean, it's difficult to do stand up anyway, but there's no way if a comic's doing a show through zoom, right? Like they can get their timing down or like, like laughter off the crowd, like getting that energy because I've been to comedy clubs and, and stuff like that. It's a very different energy. Like I just find all that bizarre that like comics are doing that. So I'll tell you the difference between doing a zoom show and doing a live show is a difference between playing grand theft auto and actually stealing a car and running from the cops. Okay. <laughs> I, I much prefer stealing cars and running from the cops, but through this COVID thing and the shutdowns and the various rules and the this and the that, it part of the creativity of being a comic is finding a way to work. So what's happened with the Zoom things, when it started out, they were really bad because people didn't really get it and they would shut everything off and you'd basically be talking into silence, right? Which is just comedy, stand-up is like a one-way conversation where one, you're, I'm doing the talking, the audience is laughing. That's their response. But that, just what you said, it gives you your timing and and everything. And you could play, you go off on tangents and all the energy of a live show. So when we were doing Zooms to silence, you lost that. Then uh, a couple of guys came up with an idea. I'm sure others did, but the big one was a Nowhere Comedy Club. And what they did was they had people come into Zoom, they unmute you. So you can hear people laugh and the and you see the, you know, grid view of the audience. So you kind of have the shared experience and they would monitor. So if your dog starts barking or if someone starts heckling or a baby cries, they could individually shut that noise off and keep the um, collective experience. So that made it much better. And that's grown. Now a lot of people are doing Zooms that way. 
The other thing is, man, we are working, like I tell everyone, it's like the beginning of my career, right? It's like, well, Wednesday night, there's a rooftop downtown. And then on Saturdays, there's a show at the beach you could do outside. And then this guy has a pool with a big thing. And that's literally how we're working. Now, some places like Florida, uh, Texas, like they were doing those shows in Austin until Dave got hit with COVID. Now that's gone. Um, but there are some clubs I did last year. They, they, they're doing social distancing, putting the, the table six feet apart. Uh, the you can only sit with the people you came in with. They'll usually have you wear your mask until you sit at your table and try to get by. And those have been pretty, pretty good as far as health. Like people haven't been getting sick. There've been a couple of clubs where people got sick and they shut down, but, uh, we're hustling, man. We're, you gotta be creative to find a way to do what we do. Did you do outdoor shows like uh, Bert and like Nikki Glaser? Oh yeah, yeah. I've done the I've done beach shows. I've done drive-ins. Yeah, we work outdoors because that's the only place you can work. You know, so yeah, I've done those. Yeah, well, I mean, you gotta gotta find where the people are, and you gotta make them laugh. And and speaking of laughter, my my final question for you, Alonzo. Uh, certainly a great career in the comedy game. And I know you said your mom's the funniest person that you've ever been around, but who is the other funniest, you know, maybe comic or coworker that you've been around um, that, that you would give the best endorsement for? Just your favorite person. You know, you <clears throat> that 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 um, that question is always asked and there's never an answer of one person. So I think right now, um, Dave Chappelle by far is the greatest comic on earth. Um, and as a matter of fact, I would say he has moved up to GOAT status. Um what Dave is doing, the way his mind's working, he's just on a different level than any of us out there. Like he, he's just cutting through it. His social commentary is brilliant. But when it comes to people who make me laugh, uh, George Wallace always makes me laugh. George was one of my mentors. You know what I mean? Just old school, funny. Um, Neil Brennan intimidates me. Neil is so smart and funny. And I told him that it's like, I'm, I'm not, I've worked with everybody. I've been lucky enough to work with, you name them. I've worked with them. Uh, Lewis Black, the Wayans, um, just, you know, any comic I've worked all over the world. I've done Australia. I've done Ireland. I do Canada every year. I've worked with the big international names, uh, Russell Peters and all, but there's something about Neil that I'm like, damn, I'm a little nerd like this guy is this going to be funny in front of him it's because it, i love the way his mind works but um on any given uh jimmy carr i don't know if you even know jimmy out of out of the uk so super british and and proper a proper smart ass who is always hilarious you know uh jeremy hotz an old friend then there are a lot of young comics and i i don't diss them i don't remember their names only because i don't know them as well you know what i mean like we don't interact you in comedy you kind of interact with the group that you come up with you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh but there's some young comics that are that are just cracking me up and doing really funny stuff but those would be the names that always stay with me you know dave and and uh lou george um hots you know, on and on. Wanda, Wanda Sykes, holy shit. Somebody, Wanda told me two years ago, she said someone said to her that she's funny for a woman. And I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? Wanda is funny 
for a breathing human being. Like you, you know, I've heard the stuff about women comics and this and that, but the idea of putting that on Wanda Sykes, you know, that's like saying like, yeah, LeBron, you good for a basketball player. You know, you all right. <laughs> um, Alonzo, before I get to my last question, it's interesting you bring up Dave because I think he's the goat outside of like Eddie Murphy and like people like that. And and I mean, he got HBO Netflix, man. He got HBO and Netflix to say, hey, yeah, we'll take off Chappelle's show because you asked. Like that's the status he's reached. And Neil, you know, Neil worked with Dave and, and wrote Chappelle. Yeah, they created the Dave. show. Yeah. Yeah. And Neil wrote one of the best specials I've ever seen still to this day. If, if um, It's called Three Mics. If anyone has. Yeah, I know Three Mics. I absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. But look, man, anytime we get someone on who's uh, from the Rogan Mafia, I, uh, that's always my last question. You're part of the Rogan Mafia. Um, how different is Joe? I know you haven't been to uh, the new studio yet, but how different is that guy, just the way he does things? And I mean, look, can you tell him to ship me some elk? I'll pay him $1,000 to get some <laughs> of that elk, man. You know, um, and the thing, it's, it's funny what you say about uh, Dave comparing him to Eddie Murphy and all that. See, but that's Eddie as the actor. That's Eddie the movie star. But I'm talking about stand-up. Now, granted, you know, Delirious and Raw are, you know, you can't get to that level, especially Delirious, just unreal. But but looking at what Dave has done, to me, he's just gone in a different place with stand-up. And I've always thought Dave is more, and, and I, I put myself in this world too, social observation more in the world of Carlin than Eddie Murphy, right? Or, or Pryor or whatever. Like Dave is like George Carlin. Like I'm looking at the world and here it is. And then you you just keep saying like, holy shit, not only is he right, he's two levels beyond what any of us saw, you know? So different, different things. Joe, listen, I've, I've known Joe a long time. I was cleaning out my office and I found this program from Just for Laughs in Montreal from 1999 with Joe. And and I remember that because Joe, I was hanging out with him. We were doing spots. The thing I love about Joe, and I think this is why Joe, besides having the greatest luck in the world. And, and when I say luck, I don't mean falling out the sky. I mean, he happens to, Joe does his own thing. Joe does what he loves, and then the world seems to fall into place. So Joe was an MMA fighter before we could spell MMA, right? Back in the day, we used to joke about Joe, about comics, you know, getting into fights. And we were like, yeah, if you get in a fight with Joe Rogan, you got to shoot him two or three times because the first one ain't going to kill him. Cause you know, and then what happens? MMA becomes the biggest thing in the world and Joe's already there, you know, um, fear factor, you know, all of it, like Joe has always done what he wants to do versus auditioning or trying to be something that Hollywood wants him to be or whatever. And that has worked out for him. And, um, he's a great guy. Joe is, Joe is 100% real. He's who you see on the podcast. Now, I don't know how you're going to get him to shit out some elk. Um, you know, Joe and I, we talk and we laugh, but Joe knows like, hey, Joe, I ain't going hunting with you. No, not as long as there's grocery stores. I feel no need to go in the woods and chase animals, but you have fun out there, you know, but we'll laugh and we'll talk about cars and we talk about a bunch of other stuff, man. He, you know, another thing about Joe Joe gives everyone a voice, whether people like it or not. 
So, you know, when I hear people talk about Joe is right wing or Joe is this or that, I don't think so. But I think Joe will give a right winger a voice. He'll let him talk on his podcast to, a, you know, I mean, not not the total psychos, but he will listen to opinions he does not agree with. And if you are reasonable, um, he will respect you, you know. So so I got nothing but love for Joe, nothing but respect. Um, he's had me on the pod a few times. I will make it to Austin. We were talking about it. So I'm a big motorcycle nut. And there's a big motorcycle race every year in Austin. It was canceled last year. And unfortunately, they've just canceled it for this year. But Joe already knows when I come down because I hang out there. We're going to, you know, Bill Burr has gotten into it now. Burr's become a big MotoGP fan. So we're like, yeah, we're going to do a show together when we're down there. And I'm going to introduce them to all the, the inside of the racing because I know a lot of people there. Um, yeah, so like I say, I got nothing but love for Joe. And um, I, I, and he's, I'll tell you another thing about Joe. And I appreciate this about him. Always been the same guy. So... Now that he's super world famous, Joe, like I still have his number. I can text him. He'll get back to me. You know what I mean? Like there's still, there are no layers between me and Joe. Now he won't always get back to me right away, but I understand that he's busy. You know what I mean? And that's when people talk shit about somebody like, oh man, he's changed. Like, yeah, he has changed because he's world famous, because he has a hundred billion followers and a three hour podcast that presidential candidates uh, MMA fighters and, you know, fucking criminals come on. So yeah, he might be a little busy, might not get back to you today. Get over yourself. Go back to your open mic and take it easy. <laughs> so I, you, when you work, you understand that people get busy, things change, but, but I have a few friends like him who have become super famous and I'm happy for him, but he's one of them that is the same guy when, you know, when I talk to him. And I love sitting and talking to Joe. Joe's one of the few people you could talk to for three hours on the podcast and it goes by like that, you know, no disrespect to you guys, but, but you know what I'm saying? Most people, even you, if you had to talk to someone for three hours, you'd be like, what the fuck do we talk about? And he has a way of doing it. So he's, he's found that he's true to himself. I respect that. No, no disrespect to us at all. We, we understand that sometimes it, uh, <laughs> sometimes it can get uh, pressing and such with that. But to be honest, I'm a little bored with you two already, and it's only been 25 minutes, and hey, I've that's... pretty much had enough. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, we understand. You can tell us that. We're just a couple of kids from West Virginia. That's, that's okay. <laughs> uh... We understand. But, Alonzo, we, we really do appreciate it. We'll let you go and get out of the boredom here now. But, uh, again, we do appreciate you hanging out with us and talking some sports and comedy with us. Um, as you get back out on the road and, and such, I hope that you, all of your family, loved ones, stay safe, continue to stay safe, um, and hopefully we'll catch you to show down the road sometime. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's what we're all, like, now, now that the vaccine is kind of trickling out, I think we're all getting antsy, right? We all, like, come on, let's get vaccinated so we can do, like, I was talking to a buddy, he was at the uh, KC game yesterday, he was at the football game, he happened to be sitting close to the Trey Songs fight. So he got two, I don't know if you heard about that, about Trey Songs getting into a fight in the stands. I did not know. Yeah. So apparently some guy was talking shit to him and they got into it. And then the guy went and got the cops and the cops got into it with Trey and it was a fight. And they, but my buddy who was there said they're talking about it was over the mask. And he's like, nah, this guy was starting shit. That's why people were backing up Trey Songs. Cause you know, 
when you're famous, you're a target, right? So this guy was like, you know, starting some shit and he didn't realize like Trey is keeping it real. Like, oh, you want to talk shit? I, you know, I'm ready to go. You know, it's, it's like talking shit to Ryan Reeves, you know, imagine making that mistake. (laughs) Look, last, last thing I'll say about him. I've never seen somebody beat as much ass as Ryan Reeves has and just continually want more. You just look at him and say, keep coming. I'm not, I'm not afraid of you. And that's why I love him. Yeah. He, he's a great guy, but listen, this was, this was fun, man. I was in West Virginia a couple of years ago. I wish I could remember where it was a big motorcycle rally at one of your ski resorts, like in the summertime when it was just ride up through the mountains. Uh, I can't tell you I know a lot about West Virginia other than it is a beautifully green state. Like come just, to Morgantown next time. Next yeah. time you do a show, come to Morgantown. But uh, but I had a good time, and you know I know you guys get the rep of of the you know the hills. Let's just call it that. A little nervous, and you know, hey, I'm from the city. We got a rep too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, look, Hey, there's a big, there's a big, uh, like Ryan said, we, uh, we both lived in Morgantown for a while. I still currently do. There's a big motorcycle rally up here called thunder on the mountain. I, I believe is the name on it or thunder in the Hills or something like that. It's, it's one that usually lasts all weekend. So usually in July, and I imagine it was canceled last year amongst other things. So if you ever have the opportunity come up for that, because I know that's very well populated. Yeah, I would. I, I mean, I rode from. I think I rode from Tennessee up to uh, West Virginia, and it was just beautiful, man. So, like I say, stay safe out there, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll be live again. I don't know when, but we'll be live again at, at some point. In the meantime, it's just like we'll try to stay funny. So, thank you, thank you guys for having me, Ryan. Good luck with the Knicks. There, there are signs of life. Let's call it that, right? There's the Mets. The Mets have signs of life right now. The Mets are, are bringing in some free agents and there's hope. So, you know, it's a great thing about sports, right? Every season we have hope and then they play the actual games and we're like, damn, shit was good. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for the more- What a nice guy. Oh, yeah. Alonzo was good. I, I don't think we actually bored him. I think that he was, uh, I think that he was just playing us, but he- but yeah, great guy. Um, you know, great perspective. Also, as as good of a comedian as he is, he I still think maybe he could have gone into music. Yeah, could have gone into music. Uh, I don't think uh, the little hole in the wall that he was talking about, the beef patty place. I, don't, I doubt that it was its name, the beef patty place. Yeah, that that's that kind of sounds like what he um, or, or basically like if you're watching a TV show, right? And it's like the the store <laughs> right so i'll trust his i'll trust his taste buds but we'll have to um i would like to actually know the name of it i feel like that would be better so let's do do we understand first before we get to weekend grab bag and we'll go from weekend grab bag into uh, uh monday morning headlines how's that i love it so do we understand um these stories we've actually talked about be because I don't think either one of us understands the stories that we have. Um, my first story, do we understand the Olympic Games? Because the Olympic Games, I guess it's moving to Tokyo, but it's going to possibly Florida, and then now it's possibly back on. Now it might be delayed again. It might be going to Washington, of all places, Washington, D.C., for a vote by Congress and the House of Representatives to decide if the Olympic Games are happening. Do we understand the Olympic Games at all? 
I mean, I hope that they happen. <laughs> that's that's kind of the that's kind of where I'm at with the Olympic Games right now. Is I I just want them to happen because it, it's weird how it's something that you only watch every four years, but you really kind of get into for that one year that you do it. You find yourself watching sports and events that you would never really not care about, but you know, you're certainly not watching the qualifiers for these events leading up to it being like, Oh yeah, I really think that, um, I really think that this specific person is, is really standing out in the, in the qualifiers. I think that they have the opportunity. You're, I, I don't do that. You might do it, but I <laughs> certainly don't do it. So, but what I hope is that they find a place that can do it. I, I heard Florida was making a, um, a push for it too, because they've, they've kind of lowered their COVID restrictions and such, but that's a whole nother conversation. But Look, what I want to understand is just where they're going to happen, because I don't know if I could go two years uh, thinking that they were going to happen and not being able to watch them. I want to watch some people swim and I want to watch some people sprint and well, fence. Yes. The crushing <laughs> thing would be Tokyo would take a massive, massive loss, right? Because then that all the stadiums and the facilities that they that these cities build for four years mm -hmm. anyway, getting you know seven to eight years that they build before the olympic games and then it's only used for a two-week period i'm sure those events you know are, are there for the olympics obviously but you know i'm sure those facilities are used for other things you know what i mean they're not going to build you know 100 million dollar buildings and just tear them down uh but that would be crushing for tokyo a, a, a city like that a major major metropolitan city in the world Yes, they have a lot of um, economic growth. Yes, they have a lot of bustle. You know, I'm trying to find the word. They have a lot of, you know, things to do in that city. But people still go to the Olympics, you know. And then what happens with what happens with France? Would, would, they, would they push France back? Would they push, you know, the 2028 Olympic Games back that are supposed to actually be held in the U.S.? I've always wanted to go to the Olympics, uh, you know, if I could. Um, I think if I had a choice actually between WrestleMania and Dallas next year or go to the Olympics in France, I would actually go to the Olympics in France. I'd have to pick up my French though. I was teaching myself French for quite a while there. Uh, I, I don't think I can speak any of it now. I'd have to get back on the app that I was teaching myself, but that's besides the point. Um, no, I, I don't understand the Olympic games because then what happens with the winter games, the winter games, the last time we saw them were 2018. They're supposed to be in 2022. That's only a year away. That's coming right up, man. That's coming right up. So if, if they delay the summer or they cancel them all together, or they move it different places, what's going to happen with the winter? Because they're overseas as well. So it it's a huge layer story. I don't know if I understand it. Uh, I would feel bad. I, I love watching weird events like ping pong, fencing. Uh, I get real, for some reason, I get super hardcore into water polo for those two weeks mm -hmm. or days that it's on. Um, also, one of the weird, weird events that I love, uh, swimming, everyone, I, I think everyone loves swimming, mm -hmm. but um, I, I, I think they have uh, badminton. I think either mm -hmm. badminton or something like that, that's really strange. And I think this year also they're having, um, or maybe it's the next one. They're having a uh, break dancing and, and a bunch of weird stuff. So I love the Olympics. It's it's different. It's unusual. I love it. Um, plus you plus you get soccer in there. Now you have golf. You know mm -hmm. you have all these different events. And um, I also love winter too, though. But yeah, I think the summer Olympic Olympics. I actually like those a little bit better. But I don't really 
discriminate of either one of them. I, I like watching them both because they're both fun to watch. So, again, I just hope that they happen. That's kind of the camp that I'm in at this point because it seems like it's uncertain again that we're even going to have them. And, and that would just be sad to have to cancel something because of uh, because of the control of everything and, you know, not being able to bring it in. I, I don't know. I digress. That's not, um, Quick that's not my expertise. Before you get to your story, favorite uh, Olympic event at all, period, go. 100-meter dash. Okay, I'm swimming. Yeah, I'm – I, and I think some of that comes from Usain Bolt the last couple of years, but it is it is fascinating to just watch people sprint in a straight line for like ten seconds. <laughs> I I don't I don't understand why I love it, but it is it is fun to know who the fastest man and woman in the world are. That yeah. is a that is exhilarating for some reason. Um, so this is one that came out on Twitter yesterday. Um, and this is one that I feel like I, I might actually understand a little bit, but apparently there's a lawsuit out in the world right now um, that they're accusing Subway's tuna of not being tuna, and that it's a mixture of various concoctions. I'm basically just reading the headline of this here. Uh, so the reason that I say I, I think I would understand this is, do we actually believe that fast food restaurants at all have any fresh ingredients or it's just kind of a mixture of concoctions anyway? Because I, I don't know. I just don't feel like, and also another thing here, I, I know people that do it, but have you ever went to Subway and ordered tuna? No. No. Yeah. I. No. Right. It's just, I just don't feel like that's something that I would never, Ever think to go to Subway and be like, you know what sounds good today? Tuna. I, I've, I, I just don't think I've ever thought that. And and to those who do, you know, I I respect your decision. That's fine. I don't criticize you. It's just I probably also stems from the fact that I don't really care for fish. But anyway, are, any any understanding at all of how this comes about? I mean, why are we just focusing in on Subway's tuna? I think everything in the fast food industry is probably fake, wouldn't you say? Hey, the grilled chicken. If you get grilled chicken at anywhere, you know, they say it's grilled, but it, it probably has those like artificial grilled marks that uh, we got when we were in school. You know, they, they try to give us those healthy lunches. I mean, look at me. I'm not exactly an ideal model of health over here. Okay. I mean, my body's filled with no things and soda, you know, but I go to Subway like twice a month because it's really close by uh, where I live. And um, <laughs> the thing is, I get steak and cheese. I get steak mm -hmm. and cheese, but I know that that steak compared to what I'm getting, if I was to cook steak just by myself, like a, you know, buy $3 worth of a pound of, of steak, let's say, you know, steak strips at Walmart that I can cook myself and make my own sub are 10 times better than the steak I'm getting on my sub at Subway, you know, for nine twenty five or whatever. I don't, under, I don't understand the people that get tuna. I also don't understand the people that get the pizzas at Subway. And I also don't understand the people that get the meatball. The meatballs have to be disgusting, right? Those things sit in the pan all day. There's no way that that sauce is just, you know, oozing and, and, and making the meatballs moist. Those things have to be disgusting. But like Subway's... It, it's like it's probably the healthiest fast food you might get you know mm -hmm. like you're not you're not getting healthy mcdonald's it's like it's, when people go to mcdonald's and they get a salad you 
you're I mean, defeating every purpose of even eating out in ex- general. Exactly. Uh, you're not getting anything healthy at Burger King. Although I did see a study like a year ago. Um, Subway was second on the most healthy fast food. Chick-fil-A was number one, which is kind of surprising because pretty much everything is crispy chicken there. Mm-hmm. I know that they have their grilled options. And oddly enough, Chick-fil-A does actually have pretty good grilled options. But I I can't tell you the last time I got something grilled because everything is the, the fried's better, which I mean, again, not a model of health. I, you know, anyone who has seen me in person, you are okay. well aware of that. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I don't take health advice from the two Ryan sports podcast. That's yeah. basically what we're trying to tell you. Um, but so one thing that's actually cool about, um, you know, now that you mentioned it, Chick-fil-A, there is one sandwich that they give you a sauce with it. I mean, you can get otherwise, but they only give it to you with this specific sandwich. You have to ask for it. Otherwise is there honey roasted barbecue sauce? Have you ever had that? No, I'm always a Chick-fil-A sauce guy. Um, okay. I've never got anything with Chick-fil-A other than Chick-fil-A sauce. Try the honey roasted barbecue, even if it's just to, you know, like try it, not maybe not even on your sandwich, try it there. Uh, I also have another weird hot take for you. Yeah, Subway's meatball subs aren't the best. Do you know who actually is a is a weird place that has a good meatball sub? Where's that? Is now this is going to be a little bit different for our non-regional listeners, but Sheets. Sheets actually has a pretty good meatball sub. So, not going to admit to those being real either, but <laughs> I I actually really like Sheets's meatball sub. For those who live outside of the small region of the world that we're from, Sheets is actually a gas station that sells fast food, and it actually has a, a few hot picks on its menu. So. It's like a Wawa. It's like a Wawa. Everyone knows a Wawa. It's like a Wawa or, um, you know, pick any gas station that's like that regionally. Although there's like three or 400 locations, but uh, yeah, no. I think 200 of them are in Altoona specifically, but that's (laughs) beside the point. And like, um, man, this is bad radio, but there's like nine or 10 in Morgantown. I mean, you get off an exit. There's seven. There's seven. Okay. Yes, I used to I used to be a tour guide for the university. I know you know this, but for our listeners, uh, I used to be a tour guide for WVU. And actually, on my tours, I'd talk about the number of sheets in town and, and basically point them out to people and say you're going to see a lot of your favorite red and yellow gas station. Yeah, and um, they, they they have okay food. They have okay food for a gas station, but no Subway's strange, and uh, the meatball subs terrible give me a steak and cheese, or if I'm feeling frisky, give me a turkey. Cause at least turkey is like kind of, you know, it, it, it's as healthy as you're going to get. I don't believe Chick-fil-A is healthier than Subway. Um, the weirdest fast food I've ever had, I've always wanted to have an in and out um, and, but those mm-hmm. are only in California, but um, I don't know if you've ever had this uh, Jack in the box, Jack in the box I've- was the weirdest fast food I've ever had in my life. And I had breakfast there and lunch one day because it was the only thing even remotely close by. And I was in like a town for three days. French toast Mm -hmm. sticks for, you know, for two dollars at breakfast and like a a chicken sandwich at lunch. And it was like it was terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, I've never had it personally. I have had Whataburger before and I thought that was pretty good. Um, But I want to try in and out because I actually hear mixed things. 
people say it's really good who've had it. I have a couple of friends from California who love it. I've had other people that have tried it said, don't even worry about it. So before we move on, is Denny's and IHOP fast food? I feel like they are. Oh, see, I think of fast food to me is somewhere that you can get a drive through or it's less than less than like five minutes usually to get it. Mm. Because with, with Denny's and IHOP, you actually have to sit down to, to get food. And, and it's actually weird. Um, close to home, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but you know there is a subway with a drive-thru, right? Yeah. 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 So I, I lumped them into that category because I have, in fact, seen a subway with a drive-thru. So they, they get into the – and they're fast food before that. But um, who knew you could just order a sub through the radio and, and they're just going to hand it out the window to you. What a world. What? What a world indeed. Uh, Wendy's does not fall on, by the way, of healthy fast food. Um, no. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> do we understand this headline? Didn't even read the story because I feel like it's so bizarre. Just let's try to figure it out from the headline here. Britney Spears sparks concerns with a bizarre dance video. Do we understand? I know that there was a theory over the summer last year that she wasn't taking her photos or something and putting them on Instagram. And I know this is a weird topic for a sports show, but Hey, you know, we're, we're interesting guys. We're going to talk about anything. I don't understand. The, the week before I, the Super Bowl can create this kind of boredom sometimes yes, too. Yes. So. Yes. I, I don't understand the headline. I mean, what is going on? And I know that didn't is it you that told me yeah it was you that just told me that before we went on air that um her dad is like controlling her or something and that's why it's like everyone's so concerned over this dance video yeah so the the whole thing about basically her dad controlling her estate which i mean is is troubling in in some senses and i won't get into all of that but like it just seems it seems strange to me that that basically everything is controlled under under that singular umbrella of things and the videos i don't know if you've I, i've actually seen at least one of them before and it is it is kind of strange it, it is kind of strange to the fact that you're like because you know we we obviously live in a day and age now where people will post things on tiktok or instagram and as entertainers and you're like oh like they're doing something for a video or like that's just for our entertainment that one looks very weird and it, it doesn't it doesn't seem i don't want to say normal because normal is not it, there's no definition truly of normal but like it just seems like there's something amiss there and i'm not exactly sure what it is and it's i, I don't know i just I, I don't i don't particularly find it i find it kind of troubling almost is, is that's kind of how it feels when you watch it. Uh, one thing I will say though, uh, I, now I have to look it up because if I don't tell you the right thing, I'm going to be disappointed. Um, so whenever I was growing up, Britney Spears was actually one of the first actual CDs that I owned, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, now I gotta, I gotta know what, I gotta know what album it was, or I'm going to be disappointed. Um, while Ryan, oh, I lied. I owned her. I, I lied. I owned her first two albums, Baby uh, One More Time, and uh, Oops, I Did It Again. So, yeah. Are you still two listening? Two bangers. No. Okay. All right. Um, uh, she doesn't necessarily fit with my mix of Fit for an Autopsy anymore. So, 
and if I feel like every interview we've had a um, little behind the scenes, pretty much every single interview we've done, they ask off air, Ryan, what's those posters behind you? For our listeners, I can't see Ryan has like a bunch of music posters and it's like that every single interview, basically. Yeah, everybody, everybody is asking about the metal post because I guess it's concerning that I have rock and roll posters behind me. Well, coincidentally, nobody's asked about the Johnny Cash one. That's that's what I find interesting is he's like the most notable person that you can see behind me. Now, I realize he's in his older age, but like still kind of odd that nobody's like, hey, who's that old man that's looking over your shoulder? Yeah, I. Which also relates maybe in the Britney Spears story. Yeah, I don't understand the Britney Spears story. Musicians are weird. Um, they're 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 a different kind of uh, entertainment, that's for sure. So. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. What, well, whatever it is, I'll say this: whatever it is, I, I just genuinely hope that it's nothing that's completely troubling. You know, she is a very big pop star, and she is very um, prominent, obviously. Uh, I don't think I have those first two albums anymore, but I definitely supported her back in the day. And hopefully everything is is okay still to this day, because obviously you don't want anybody to be in any sort of danger, if you will. So hopefully that's not the case from the, from the camp of Britney Spears. Right. Uh, well, that was my last Do We Understand story. Do you have any on your end left? Uh, I don't have another one, but we have a... Quite a quite a thing of weekend grab bag here though, because I yeah. know we have a lot of a lot of interesting stuff coming up. So let's just move into that. So weekend grab bag. I'll go um I'll go first. Kansas versus Tennessee on Saturday at 6 p.m. Primetime mm-hmm. college basketball game. Gonna be massive, gonna be huge. Man, it, it's you know, we knew going into the season that teams were gonna have games canceled, teams postponed, all that kind of stuff, but this game, I hope going into Saturday, nothing happens to where some there's like mass outbreak. You know what I mean? Because it can still happen. Mm-hmm. But man, what a game we have slated! Uh, Big Twelve versus SEC. Typically, that's an early, late, early January, late December type of thing. But we're getting it this weekend, right before February, which is kind of kind of huge considering we got a month and a half left of the season. Are you a are you a big fan of these challenges? Because I'm going to be honest, I absolutely love them. Yeah, I am. Uh, I enjoy. I think the non conference versus more than conference play because conference play, until you get to the conference tournaments, I kind of find dull at times. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I understand it's it's a little bit different in say like the Big Twelve because obviously we watch, I, or at least I know I watch a little bit more of that because of WVU, and I'm sure you probably do as well. But it it is interesting to see you know teams again, especially because the Big Twelve is relatively deep. But I, I love the I love being able to play the same team twice. But it is kind of nice to see those one off teams, especially I remember a couple years ago. I guess it was man probably three years ago now. Uh, when Kentucky came to the Coliseum and that place was, that place was a hot spot. I was in my master's program and that place was pretty, uh, pretty electric for that game. Now WV didn't end up winning, but, uh, but I guess it also kind of, kind of sucks too. If you draw one of the, one of the lesser teams on that slate too. So basically whoever has to play Kansas state from the SEC, I'm not looking at the schedule right now, uh, but Kansas state at one point the other night was down 41 to seven to Baylor. I'm that's a that's a football score 
not a not a basketball score. So it, whoever plays Kansas State, just just take it easy on them. They're they're not having a great year. No. But I, I also wish that they would switch up the conferences sometimes, though. I understand it's not one for one necessarily, but I think it'd be fun to see other teams. I'd like Big Ten versus Big 12. I would like a matchup like that. Maybe ACC versus Big 12. I would love to see. Now, I, this this might be a hot take, but whenever I was growing up, uh, we used to watch WVU and Maryland basketball because my family was big fans of Gary Williams. Um, so I would love to see a WVU-Maryland matchup in the regular season. I know we see it occasionally in the tournament, but just to – and I know Gary Williams isn't there anymore, but just to just to see that because it it's kind of a rivalry of – sorts so maybe maybe bring that in at some point but also wouldn't mind playing ohio state too yeah i would like to play love the, love the local teams uh, I'd, I'd like to play like either maryland or uh, penn state but yeah the the more regional teams that you kind of feel like you could have the uh the rivalry with if you will. give us the biggie give us the big um, so i yeah Oh, Big East basketball. We could do a whole show about Big East sports because Big East sports were that was that was that was just different. <laughs> that was a very fun yeah. time to be alive to see Big Ten sports or Big East sports. I apologize. But um, so part of my weekend grab bag, I actually circled two uh, two big hockey matchups in the NHL, both on Saturday. Uh, in the Eastern Division, we have Boston and Washington, which is the two top teams in the Eastern Division right now. Uh, with the implication of Boston's David Pasternak maybe coming back, it really kind of improves this game. Um, look, hockey is hockey's really kind of came into my light the last couple of years, so I think that'll be a good game. But I really think the game of the weekend to watch, though, Saturday, Toronto and Edmonton. That is going to be the matchup to watch because of the just because of the stars on the ice that night. Uh, obviously, Edmonton, we have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Toronto, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, a lot of a lot of talent between those two teams. So uh, we know Canada gets up for their hockey and, and Americans that do enjoy it as well do too. So uh, two very big matchups to watch on Saturday if you're a sports fan for, for hockey. Um, so yeah, tune in, check them out. You're going to see a lot of good and hopefully a lot of goals between the uh, those two teams too. Yeah, hopefully you're also going to continue to see the success that NHL has had versus or it seems like every other sports league has hit the like the bumps uh, of like massive COVID outbreaks. Now, look, they're only like a week and a half, two weeks into the season. But I mean, Vegas has been the most devastating, right? You know, Vegas mm -hmm. having to follow the COVID protocols, but everything else in the NHL has gone well. The division realignment has gone well. Canada, it's working out great up there up there for them because there's different restrictions. I feel like, uh, I don't know everything about the ins and outs of the restrictions in Canada, but I feel like they're a little bit more like lenient right now. Um, mm -hmm. But look, man, the NHL has been exciting in, in, in the first week that it's been back, uh, first week and a half. It's been over-the-top great action, great games. Uh, I hope I don't get fatigued, though, going into the end of February or mm -hmm. even March with games being played for like the sixth time, like – they are during a baseball season, you know, where it's just the same team and, you know, you don't really, you know, you're, you're not invested at that point. So, but everything else has been I, great. 
I think that can make the playoffs more exciting, though, to that degree, too. So, you know, you come out of the gauntlet of your division in, in some sorts. At least I think the East will be in that regard. But uh, the only team that I can think of that's that's really started off, I, I know Carolina had a little bit of a hiccup when it came to COVID, but uh, Dallas, I think, has only played one or two games. So they've, they've hit it a little bit. But I think one reason you don't see it is because there's not as many eyes on the NHL. But uh, who knows? You know, maybe, maybe uh, through this with more action on, people will take more of a liking to it, or uh, maybe old people will subscribe more to Peacock and not even care that hockey still exists. But uh, I know that there's two good games on this weekend uh, as well as others, but uh, those are the two, the two big highlights in, in my opinion. We have to be the only sports show in the world to a talk about streaming the way they are, we are, but B, I mean, we might as well have an advertisement deal with Peacock. Uh, the, <laughs> They're getting a lot of free ads from us, but hey, I mean they're they're uh, they're making moves. Um, At Peacock, sponsor us. Yes, <laughs> I'm kind of combining my second and my third weekend grab bag here because it it just really falls under the entertainment category, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, the first part of that, Wandavision and Ted Lasso. Going to watch the first part of uh, Wandavision uh, episode four, uh, the fir- the fourth episode, and a great series so far. I know you're not a comic book guy. But then Ted Lasso. Uh, so I, I have Apple TV Plus um, for basically on a trial right now. And Ted Lasso, he's a football coach. He he put Wichita State or whatever in, in the show to a Division II national title. The very first episode, he gets called and he ends up coaching uh, English Premier League soccer. And the, the series has been fantastic. It's one of the best series I've watched in, in quite a while. And you don't think a, a half-hour comedy about soccer would work, but it does. So I'm going to be watching that. Also, the Knicks, the Knicks play the Cavs. That's not part of my weekend grab bag. But then the Royal Rumble, I mean, that was really the only other thing that stuck out to me. I know that um, to everyone sounding, you know, listening at home, I sound like a complete nerd. I'm watching WandaVision and, and Royal Rumble, you know, possibly uh, WWE. But, you know, you, there's really the week before the Super Bowl, it's kind of tamed off. And, you know, it's it's a week where you can watch other things like hockey and basketball. But You're not going to watch the Pro Bowl? No, I'm not going to watch the Pro Bowl. The Royal Rumble, though, is kind of funny, right? Like, it's the one thing where I feel like even the average, like, non person who enjoys wrestling could enjoy because you know what I mean it's just all oh, who's this guy who's this guy you know what I mean you're, you're just constantly having like someone come into the match and I don't know it, th- those are those are two things that I, I, I uh, you know might end up watching this weekend yeah I I think that would be um, I think that'd be good I know you've told me a lot about Ted Lasso and I think that's something that you're right. It doesn't sound like it would work, but it also sounds like they did it pretty well. Um, I it, how's how's Wandavision being received in the in the world of because you know I'm not necessarily oh, watching it. Right. Yeah. It's uh it's it's 96 right now on Rotten uh, Tomatoes. Last time okay. I looked, uh, it's being talked about as one of the best things Marvel's done because it's so unique, so different. And the ad they put out for their fourth episode that comes out tomorrow or tonight, I should say, or today, whatever. <laughs> it's she kind of has trapped herself in this like alternate reality. It looks like based off what happened in Endgame, where her 
you know, boyfriend, husband, whatever you want to call him, vision, who's like an artificial intelligence died and somehow he's alive in this scenario. It's, it's all very interesting, but that's what makes TV. That's what makes good TV great because you don't want to understand a TV show and know the, you don't want to know the ending the second episode in, if you do, then that makes it for a terrible show. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, I think this model seems to be working for, um, you know, the one episode at a time type deal. But uh, I was actually going to ask you, so one of my uh, one of my last things that I was going to bring up on this was, uh, so I know that you mentioned the, the Knicks play the Cavs tonight, but they also play the Clippers on on Sunday. So how are you feeling about the Knicks this weekend? Well, it's good to get to watch them again. We're on the East Coast. So, I mean, it's good to watch them play basketball again. I haven't watched them play really uh, when they're on the West Coast because, you know, games start at 10, 10, 15, end at, you know, I might watch the first quarter, but then they end at like 1.30 a.m. Eastern time. Look, I am a dedicated sports fan, but <laughs> kind of hard to follow a West Coast trip, you know, for a week and a half when they've been playing on the West Coast, so. Right. I always get, I always get, I don't know the right word for it. I mean, just sad comes to mind, but like when the pirates or the penguins play a West coast trip and I think of the pirates specifically, because typically they'll play like six games in a row and they all start at 10, 15 against like the diamondbacks and the Dodgers. And I'm like, I mean, we're probably going to go one and five, but I'd kind of like to watch these games because I want to watch as many as I can, but something about staying up until one 30 in the morning, watching a nine, one baseball game just doesn't, doesn't do it for me the same way that watching it on the east coast does so i think i would rather be a west coast time zone for sports yeah but i agree with that but i've also thought about how much that would screw me up because i can't imagine waking up at 9 30 on a sunday and being like oh the steelers come on in a half an hour like Mm -hmm. that that seems to that seems to mess with my mind more than i feel like i i I agree with you. I think that would be ideal because then you'd have a little bit of your evening, but it's also weird in the sense to like wrap your mind around what the opposite would be. So I, I actually think you're right. It's just, it's just strange to think of the, the weirdest the other, thing. Be, go ahead. Well, the, I'm sorry. The weird, the weirdest thing no. would be if you were a premier league fan, like I've gotten really into premier league, as I've told you, and those games start at seven 30 Eastern most times over here or like 10 or 11 man, that would be brutal on West Coast. Also, probably college football would be a little brutal. But you got stuff like UFC that start 10 Eastern over here. The main event most likely comes on at like 1230, 1 o'clock. You went mm-hmm. on that. You went on late games. You went on Sunday night football for sure because that mm-hmm. starts at 5 West Coast time. You know, you're done at like 9. You got the rest of your night if you want to do something for like two or three hours. So, yeah, I would I would like to switch to West Coast time zone for sports. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. The West Coast is fine. Uh, so the other thing that I have one here as far as kind of sports, uh, the Lakers are playing Boston, which is kind of one of the great NBA rivalries of the of the entire league. So definitely something to watch there. If you've got some time in between your hockey games, definitely tune into L.A. Boston. That always seems to be a good thing. Uh, my other thing is actually a personal thing. So I, I know you'll know this. Some of our listeners may not, but I'm going to Sand Springs this weekend uh, in, in Frostburg. So what's your what's your order at Sand Spring? I don't think I've ever been there. Oh, my. 
So we're going to have to get you to Sand Spring then, and I'm going to watch Forrest Gump. That's what our um, yeah. that's what our summer plans are, is, is to get you there, and uh, I'll watch Forrest Gump in the meantime, and then we'll uh, we'll reconvene and ask each other how we liked uh, like the individual things there. So, yeah, so great restaurant back where we're from, and and that's what I'm going to be checking out. So if you're ever in Frostburg, Maryland, Sand Springs restaurant is the uh, is the place to go. Yeah, I've, I've never been there. I don't even think I've ate in Frostburg maybe once ever. I don't know. It's just I, mm. I don't eat when I go there, and I, 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 don't know. I don't know. Or you can get a meatball sub at Sheets. Ooh, I, I could do that, but I've also been uh, eating healthy, like uh, really healthy lately. Uh, last night I had a uh, uh, turkey uh, turkey avocado. So mm. we've turned into the Food Network here. Um, Monday morning headlines. <laughs> Monday morning headlines Super Bowl week will be different that's just a that's a fact you can put that as a headline I'm sure some writer in the newspaper Stone Age will do that because it's going to be different it's going to be awkward it's going to be strange and then my second uh well my second Monday morning headline also deals with the Super Bowl how much does home uh home how much does a home game matter? Because they're going to talk about it all week at nauseum if they haven't already. I, I try to not listen or read to Super Bowl coverage until the day of because it's just talking about the game 24-7. But, you know, and we're going to talk about the game, obviously, and, and, and things like that. But when they break it down from every angle starting the Sunday after the conference championship game, it's like, hey, guys, let's wait till Super Bowl week to do that. But they'll talk about that, the fact that Tampa Bay is playing at home. Does it really matter? We, I mean, we've talked about it before. The, the Super Bowl crowd feels corporate. It's weird. It's awkward. It is very, very interesting, though, and intriguing in all of this. They're only one of three or four NFL teams to win three road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. And then on top of all this, they're playing a home Super Bowl game. That's why it to me it's more intriguing than it would be if any other time this has happened because it also deals with Tom Brady. So, Monday morning headlines. Yeah, so my my Monday morning headline is one that you're probably going to see on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, is the prospect of Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. In fact, you've seen it for a week now already. Um, and this is something that we'll touch on a little bit next week too, because I actually already have it in my notes is the great Super Bowl quarterback matchups of all time and, and where this one could in fact be one of the best of all time. Uh, and, and even the game considered, I hope that the game lives up to the quarterback hype, uh, but it's something that you're going to hear about. You're going to hear about it on Sunday during the game, you know, the greatest quarterback ever versus the potential greatest quarterback ever. It's not going to go away. You're, you're just going to, you're just going to want to do it. And you know what I, in fact, for all of our listeners, I encourage you to embrace it because you don't get these quarterback matchups all time or all the time, I should say. So enjoy a great one while you have it because Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, eh, it may not happen again. So enjoy this one. Uh, and then my second one is uh, this, this is definitely going to be Monday morning. And it's just going to literally say the Pro Bowl is still lackluster. Uh, I know we talked about it on the front half of the show, but uh, for those who don't know or, or may have even skipped ahead, the Pro Bowl is moving to basically a virtual format where competitors are going to play Madden against each other. Yeah. And, and look, I, I don't know if there's a way to save the Pro Bowl at this point. 
I've, I've been in the camp for a couple years just to name an all pro team. Don't do the game, you know, maybe do the skills competitions. I actually enjoy the skills competitions, the little like dodgeball games. That stuff's fun. Do that. Get the players who want to compete in that, get them together and, and have fun with it. But the game feels unnecessary. The jerseys aren't fun anymore. And now you're just going to play Madden. And I understand it's in a COVID year, but I, I, I think the Pro Bowl is is kind of dead. So Pro Bowl still lackluster and, and maybe we'll see the, the death of the Pro Bowl soon enough. Yeah. Hopefully, and XFL comes back next year. You know, maybe they can, maybe XFL opening uh, kickoff uh, can be during the Pro Bowl week to give us some actual football. But, you know, Ryan, with all this uh, good, uh, you know, segments, ideas, guests <clears throat> that we have upcoming, by the way, before we get to the end of the show here, I think I'm also going to do another Survivor audition video. I haven't done one in a while. I mean, you know me pretty well. I've been trying to get mm -hmm. on Survivor for like years now. Um, maybe, maybe we, maybe that trends over the weekend. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, I've, I've been trying for like nine years. Nine years. Yeah, we we need to get we need to get you one there if you've been trying for that long. So yeah, uh, if you see our socials this week saying Ryan for Survivor, or you know, two Ryan Sports Show for Survivor, I don't want to be on Survivor personally. Um, I'm I'm fine with my nice little heated apartment, but. I, I want that for you. So we'll, uh, we'll work on that. We got to get some help on that too, but uh, we'll work on that. But if you're going to find that post, if you're going to retweet that, if you're going to share it on your story, uh, first, you're going to want to listen to us on Apple or Spotify, whichever you prefer, whichever phone device and operating system you use, like, subscribe, rate, uh, but make sure that you're tuned into us on those two platforms. That's where you're going to find the show but also to make sure you're following us on the big social media platforms. We are on Facebook, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. That's where all of the updates on the show, guest announcement alerts, uh, hashtags to get Ryan on Survivor are gonna be located. So make sure that you're following us on those. And again, that is to Ryan Sports Show. That is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Like, subscribe, rate us on Apple and Spotify as well. And don't forget, we've now started putting our interview segments on youtube so go find yes, us on i YouTube. forgot about that go find us on youtube our steven interview did get put up there and uh i even left uh you know the off-air question that you asked him uh which was uh pretty funny about the uh, mm -hmm. the rob zombie there so another good show in the books super bowl week next week um we're not going to be at super bowl media week <laughs> but uh we're, we're going to have super bowl coverage a lot of good things planned and we'll, we'll see everyone uh tuesday Yep. Have a good weekend. We'll see you all next week.